and welcome to the Industry Leaders Podcast. I'm Sarah Colboyle and on the show with me today is Duncan Rutherford, Head of E-Commerce at EE. Now, EE are on a mission to become the most personal consumer brand in the UK, which we'll talk about in a couple of minutes. Before we get to that, Duncan, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm really well. Thank you so much for having me as well. Honestly, it is a real pleasure and a privilege to be here and get to chat to you today about some of the things, exciting things that we're doing within EE and the extended BT family. So yeah, really good. Yeah, brilliant. I'm delighted to have you here. I wonder, could you just set the scene for us a little bit, Duncan? What exactly is your role and what is the story with EE? Because I know there's been a lot of kind of new changes and exciting things going on. So if you can maybe tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, massive changes. So yeah, my role, head of e-commerce is a job title, I suppose, but it's augmented over the years in terms of my roles and responsibilities. But ultimately within EE, I look after a specific part, the consumer electronics, open market retailing business, EE Store. So the domain store.ee.co.uk, which formerly, for, for people who may be aware, and obviously the relationship we've had with our partners has been BT Shop, which was shop.bt.com. And in the summer of last year, July, we made the decision to support some huge gaming initiatives that we had, you know, a big category market push that we had that we were going to move the BT Shop branding to EE Store to facilitate this concept of open to everyone, so the ability for EE to start to communicate with customers and allow customers to purchase who are not necessarily with EE or previously BT for a contract of mobile or broadband, etc. And so changing that branding in the summer meant that we were able to really go into a new sphere of opening the brand up in a more engaging way and enable us to get into a position where we were able to take a lot of the capability that BT Shop had had previously and bring that to life under the new brand a really pivotal time for our organization. My role essentially within that covers obviously all e-commerce, so everything that takes place on the website, so the products, brands that we bring to life, the offers, promotions that we take to our customers, and then the go-to-market strategy and the campaign channel management that takes place with our marketing teams to be able to put that into all of the channel mixes that we have. So whether that's managing our customers who find us organically, whether they come in through a paid search mechanism, our affiliate partnerships and our referrals, right the way through to our email base, social CRM management. So literally any ways in which our customers find those products and services. And it's then our job to convert them, bring them to the site and hopefully uh, ensure they have a fantastic experience with EE. Right. And how have customers responded to the rebrand so far? Well, as you can imagine, I mean, BT have owned EE as a brand since around 2016, 2016, 2017, I think it was. And so very separate to begin with. We didn't really talk about the two brands together because they're two huge entities in their own right, obviously speaking to consumers. But over the last two years, you probably started to see the BT and EE brands converge a little bit more. So if you're a BT customer, you could get offers on EE. If you're an EE customer, you could get offers on BT. Very much a best of both type mentality. So I think we'd already started to tee customers up a little bit over the last couple of years. They were part of the same family. And I think that's a really important thing to talk about because what we genuinely want to give customers, you know, BT's familiar with broadband provider, EE's familiar as a mobile provider. You really can get the best of both within this organization. And I think that because we've done some of that work, when we then quite quickly actually migrated the BT Shop brand into EE Store branding, we were able to utilize some of that same messaging about being part of the same family, extending the benefits broadening the reach of capability and products and services in which you could buy from the brand. So we had some really good narrative conversations to have with customers. That said, change is difficult. You know, customers who'd known the BT brand for a long time, you know, potentially different demographics of customers react to it in slightly different ways. And I think it was really important that we tailored our messaging. If you knew BT Shop before or a BT customer, 
if you're obviously familiar with EE and you're an EE customer, or if you're just a customer that's looking to browse and buy consumer electronics, it really doesn't matter. We're here for you. And I think that that was a really important message to start landing that the brand EE does more is kind of the narrative that you're hearing a lot of now. And I think this is a really important stepping stone in that relationship to start to enable customers to realize that the BT brand and the EE brand were really trying to come together and give you a much better, more rounded experience across lots of different product categories. But there's no doubt, as I say, change is difficult. Bringing customers on that journey takes time you know new customers coming in and we've had some fantastic customer acquisition numbers since we've rebranded that's really encouraging it's really important that we take our existing base people who bought technology from us over the last three years under the bt brand how do they react when they come back how do they feel how do we make that seamless and i think what was really important was making sure that we built an experience they could continue to log in in the same way they could view all our order history in the same way they could feel like the experience was connected it's just the brand that we were leading was was different you know the teams that manage it are still the same the people who've supported you through previous purchases are still the same and i think that was a really important factor. I hope that was a really important factor in customers coming on that journey with us. Yeah, for sure. And how did you bring all of your different teams into that kind of journey and creating that narrative for customers? Because that's quite a difficult thing to do, you know, bringing e-commerce, marketing, finance, all those teams pulling together. How did you manage that? I think it helps that we've got a really clear corporate strategy now. And I hate the term corporate in some respects, but you know, as a group, we know the direction of travel that we're heading in and that EE is going to be our lead brand. And I think that there's excitement there within teams whereby they see that there is a vision that's very clear. And yes, there's a journey to go through and there's going to be challenges along the way. But I think that people are already bought into the overall narrative. And I think building excitement and showcasing how that's going to happen for our broadband customers, it's going to happen for our mobile customers, but actually how can it happen for the consumer electronics retailing parts of the business? And it's never easy because you've got to bring lots of teams together very quickly. But I think once people understood the vision, the fact we were about to go to market with a huge gaming campaign to promote the fact that gaming specifically is a hugely important pillar for us as an organization, you know, you could come to EE now, you could add it to your bill, as you've always been able to through the fantastic add to plan facility, but you could also now buy this if you were anyone. It didn't matter if you were with another provider or you were just out there in the open market. We were opening our doors. And I think getting our people excited about that, just that reach, that breadth, the way that we were trying to take what we've done in maybe quite a small silo and just branch that out and make it more aware for the UK market, I think it was just so exciting that people just got behind it. And I think when you get that momentum and that excitement, you just end up in a position where it's not organic by any stretch, but you build some momentum behind it. And I think communication is a really important one, right? If you're going to, one, land the reason you're doing this specific plan, two, be in a position where you're able to then articulate to people how it's going and then when you completed it showcase how you did it and i think you know if you can encapsulate that kind of storybook you know start middle end it really helps in terms of keeping people on path on plan and kind of motivated behind such a big change yeah yeah definitely and can you tell me a little bit about this thing about being the most personal consumer brand in the uk i find that really really interesting can you tell me what exactly does that mean for e and then we'll talk about how you're doing it it means going beyond what we've been historically known for. So BT's always been known as, you know, your fixed line broadband provider, best in the UK. E's always been known as your mobile provider, best in the UK, best network 10 years running. I mean, these kind of fundamentals have never been more widely known. And as an infrastructure partner, no one can dispute a residential level, whether it be mobile or fixed, that we're number one in that space. But obviously the relationship you have with your telecommunications provider, it became really important during COVID, during the pandemic. If you remember, obviously people working from home, this type of thing where you're not engaging directly, you're not all in the office together, people realized how critical that infrastructure is and that's great but actually you need to step beyond that as a provider of services to showcase that there's more breadth and we need to be able to talk to customers about the infrastructure is important the devices used on that is important but actually what people use the devices for it is quite important and moving into that how we're trying to address it you've probably seen over the last three months since we've launched new ee this concept of home work learn and game having four pillars that really start to unlock 
conversations with parents, with children themselves who are utilizing these devices, the pitfalls and perils that a network gives you access to, you know, in terms of online, and then how people work from home, how people want to game and engage and how people want to have fun with their connectivity. And I think if we can have more richer conversations that are outside of just the core service that we provide through your home or over the air, whatever service you take from us, even if you get into TV and sport, it starts to showcase that we're here not just for those purchase decisions, but actually here to be more of an educator, an advisor, a trusted brand that can really help you fix the problems that you may have. Technology is complicated, right? So if we can help simplify it, that's all part of being a more personal brand that's customer centric, that's going beyond the realms of what a telecommunications provider has historically been known for. Mm-hmm. And obviously the mobile market and those kind of provider markets, it's a very mature one in the UK. You know, everyone's already got a phone or they've got a tablet or they've got Wi-Fi. So how are you helping consumers to migrate to EE when they're probably happy enough with their current provider? How do you do that? It's all about doing more. It's all about showcasing that there's more opportunities and capability, especially under one brand. If you think about the BT brand over the years, you've had broadband, we've added to that TV. Over the years, BT TV came to the fore, which we've just rebranded at the end of last year to EETV. And obviously, we launched BT Sport, which has obviously now become TNT Sports as part of the joint venture. We've always looked to diversify to give people different reasons to take some of our core propositions. And I think this is just an evolution of that, but actually at a really more fundamental level that says the network is where we've obviously had huge amounts of credibility over the years. The devices that people plug onto those networks and have experiences on, whether it be your TV, your smartphone, as you say, smart home devices, you know, your connectivity that joins together up within your home environment, the ability to work on the go. When you start to think about all the devices that that encapsulate, it goes beyond just telco communications. And I think that we want to showcase a broader range of propositions, which are not just telecommunications related, tech, subscriptions, services that are outside of our core realm and, and really offer a broader suite of products for exactly that reason, to showcase that EE does do more. And as being part of this network and, and moving your provider, if you choose to, we will give you more. But equally, if you just choose to spot buy things, if you just want to pick up that piece of technology because you know, you've know you been inspired by a friend or an advert or you want to have that experience, then we're another option in the mix. And actually, we're an option that once you're with us for even buying on the open market, you can still then come to us for services and get additional benefits. And I think it's very important that we showcase there is a real genuine 360 view of how we're looking at customers and showing up where they want to interact with us in the products and services that make sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And physical retail is, is still an important part of the business as well. So I wonder, could you tell me a little bit about how is the e-commerce team supporting store performance? How are you doing that? It's a really good question. And one, if you'd have asked me 12 months ago, I'd have said we're not, in all honesty. We were very, very separate. And you're right. I mean, EE's got a tremendous footprint across the UK of retail stores designed to give kind of a personalized local service within their regions. They understand their people. They understand their geography. They understand the high street that they exist in. It's an incredibly important part of the business. And before we rebranded, we were online and we were selling to the open market and the stores were doing their thing in terms of that localized personal service across subscriptions. What we've been able to do in the last really only four or five months, just before Christmas, really, the second half of the year with the rebrand is launched something internally called Retail Plus, which we found examples of where customers go to retail stores. And obviously in that store, we want them to transact on the things that our guides, who are our advisors in store, can sell to them. So that is, to your point, renew their subscription, renew their mobile service, add a broadband line, take a TV package, add sport. And then if they're existing e-customers, add to plan, take a, you know, a set of AirPods, for example, and be able to spread the cost. But obviously you're on the high street. People are walking in now all the time. Are you with EE? Okay, well, we're not 
able to add to plan then because you're not with us and you don't currently can't move your mobile provider at the time. So we can't service that need. We're not able to sell that item necessarily direct or it's extended catalog and we don't offer it within the store. And what Retail Plus has allowed us to do is let guides have phenomenal conversations with customers on the high street about whatever the customer wants to talk about. If they can service that customer right there and then, they deal with the customer right there and then. That's the right thing to do. If they can't, Retail Plus has enabled us to create an omni-channel bridge between the guide having the experience with the customer, the customer receiving a piece of information directly off the guide through the medium of a QR code or an, an email that essentially drives them straight onto EE Store to complete that transaction. And what we're doing there is instead of turning that customer away, having a great conversation, but then not being able to give them an experience where we can show that through to conversion, that person might go on the high street, go and speak to another organization who can give them help and then potentially convert. That's not the right experience. And what Retail Plus has allowed us to do is to embed fantastic conversations for our guides, lead them onto a digital journey through EE Store and get those customers to transact. And we've seen some phenomenal success in just a few months across there, especially in that peak trading period, November, December, and even now, start of January 2024. We're in a position where customers are really engaging. Our guides are having fantastic conversations and it's leading to conversions on a digital footprint, which is, again, going back to that point, we're showing up where customers want us to. They want to interact on the high street, but they're comfortable with transacting online. Let's make sure we leverage that opportunity. It's the best thing for the customer. Mm -hmm. And how do you make sure that your guides and your e-com teams are talking together and have that really close relationship? Because that can be quite a difficult thing to do just in terms of where people, you know, if you've got all this huge store footprint across the country, how do you make sure that the feedback from the guides from the customers is going straight into e-commerce and you can use it effectively and quickly? It's really tricky, right? And that's exactly why we launched this as very much a proof of concept, kind of with a project team, kind of which creates a link between my e-story commerce team and the people we've got there who are dealing with kind of the experience when the customer lands, are they converting, what are they browsing, what are they ultimately purchasing, right the way through the project team into the retail team who are out there every week, sat in the retail stores, listening to the retail advisor feedback, the guide feedback, and taking actions on it. So obviously, as we scaled it up, we went from a three-store trial to a 10-store trial to a region trial in the Northwest to rolling it out in November across our entire estate and it was very much a learning so if we can figure what happens at a very small localized level blow it up to a region level take some of those learnings you know we essentially were going through a process constantly of iterating figuring out what customers were saying to the guides where the guys were reaching conversation challenges with customers and then utilizing the team in e-commerce side to be able to say okay how do we tweak that email how do we make that landing page make a little bit more sense how do we make sure that the products in which the guides are usually speaking about are there first So we're not having to create complexity. So when we rolled it out across the team, we'd ironed out a lot of those issues, not all of those issues. And what's been really important since, especially in December, was keeping that really close relationship as a project team, because we're still really in proof of concept phase until we've embedded it into the broader estate, which, you know, we've still lots of work to do in that space. What we're trying to prove is that we don't want customers to come into our retail estate and not be able to leave with something that EE has been able to provide either in store or online. And I think that constant communication, that link between those teams, not all of the teams and all of the teams trying to talk all at once, it's impossible, but we're creating a really good kind of project funnel that enables all of those kind of ideas and the thoughts as you mentioned before to come in and then to obviously feed out into the e-commerce teams that can go and make those changes and optimize that experience yeah as you've been talking it's really clear that you've got a really really clear view of what the priorities are you know that kind of corporate strategy like you're saying you're really kind of implementing it and i think that's really really important especially for someone in your position correct me you know i'd love to hear your thoughts because you've got so much customer data you've got all this information coming in from guides and you know it's called coming in different forms and all these kind of things it must be really difficult to actually iron out what exactly are maybe two or three really really important things from all of that information that you're getting but it seems like you've really managed to do that i wonder how do you kind of set out those goals and how do you break it down into you know these are the specific actors that we're going to do i wonder can you tell me talk me through that 
Yeah, it's, it's really hard because there's so much information and because there's a lot of moving parts. You can imagine a, an organization of our scale, which has got so many channel touch points, of which e-store is only a small part of the overall picture, but we're an important part of the picture in the context of it starting to showcase to customers that e works across more categories and is available to everybody. Now, the EEID, which I should touch on shortly, is a really important pillar in that because that starts to give us a view of the customers that we have across the group, all of the various different services, products that they take from us and buy from us. So we can make better decisions around how to serve the existing customers. And to your point earlier about how we attract people to the most personal customer-focused brand in the UK, it's by showing up in the right places with a personalized and tailored experience that showcases the, you have this, so why would you want this? And I think that's a really important factor in terms of the teams and managing the goals and objectives within it, I think it's about being really clear with whatever we do, we try and draw it back to a point which says, is this delivering on that overarching objective, which is winning the household? So, you know, being able to sell more things to more customers that we already have. Is it helping us show up on more devices in the UK? Is it helping our brand be featured alongside the homework, learn, game concept is very much there saying, does it fall under one of those pillars? Are we helping and advising customers at every step? Are we creating an experience that ties back to that? And I think if we can always say it does, even if it might be you know, building blocks to build up to the bigger picture, that's the way in which I've tried to, certainly my team, people I manage and the remit that I have directly, but equally then showcase how that builds into the future. So as new systems come online, as new capability comes to the fore, how does what we've learned and established in this arena play a really big part in kind of the core business and especially e identity over the course of the next few years because that's a really important factor in making sure that the decisions that we make drive real benefit for the consumers and customers that come in to buy from EE. Yeah, brilliant. And what is EEID? So EEID is something that we launched last year. We've always had identities within BT Group. So you have your BT Mobile ID. You might sign in lots of different ways, whether it be through EE Store, Wi-Fi, etc. There's lots of different ways in which to talk to us. And what we want to do with EEID is do two things. One, create a profile for a customer that if you're with us, enables you to have a full view of all the products and services that you take from us across the piece, because that's a really single, simple way of being able to access and manage all of that. And within that, within the unbelievably app that the team are building, Building, what you've got there is you've got not just how to manage your mobile bill, but if you're then with us for e-broadband, you can manage your broadband, manage your Wi-Fi controls. Historically, we had lots of different apps to do lots of different things. Having all of this in a centralized location under a single identity gives a customer more flexibility and gives us as an organization more ability to be able to show up again when you need us. And that's about being personal, isn't it? It's like if you need help, we need to make sure we can serve that within the interface based on what we know about you as a user. But it's also about changing that mindset. E-identity is also about moving away from being a telco, which is a little bit closed off, as in you have to come to us and you create an account to take a subscription anyone can sign up for an EID and I'd encourage if you haven't go sign up for one because even if you're not with us as a customer as soon as you do that you're immediately opening the door to offers and services that non-E customers can get and that's only going to grow and the reasons to have the app and to pop it on your home screen and to click on it more regularly and to engage on it is going to go beyond just checking how much data have I got left is my broadband okay do you want to set up a guest Wi-Fi network? It's genuinely going to be broader for our existing customers, but also have many, many reasons why a customer who isn't currently buying from us would want an identity. It's going to broaden out over time. There's a massively exciting roadmap that the identity team are working on that's going to bring that to life for customers. But it's at the heart of everything we're looking to do about being customer focused and more personal. Yeah, I mean, it sounds fantastic. It's really kind of creating that stickiness with the brand. I actually really loved your phrase there, winning the household. I really, really, really like that one. Is that something that's kind of new to the brand or has that been part of the methodology for a while. I think underlying as part of it, I mean, BT and EE coming together, if you think about it, you know, we always had a fixed line broadband going into the home. 
And that's obviously all about moving to FTTP. It's all part of the overall strategy. And I think within the household, you've got one broadband line going in, but you've often got multiple mobile devices in people's homes, obviously, depending on the size of the family. And I think that if you can harness that, you can create a better customer experience for the whole household. If you think about it within every home, you've probably got multiple phones, multiple TVs, devices that are managing sound or smart infrastructure. You know, Depending on your household, there are so many different devices. And I think being able to showcase that EE is there to support across the whole piece when it's technology related, but then also to simplify it, to make it easy to understand, to guide you through the process. I think that's what winning the household means. It means showing up in the ways that really help you get the best experience. When I first took over what was BT Shop at the time, which years ago was an acquisition that BT made of a local Northwest company, dabs.com. And when I came in, we started to move away from this concept of feeds and speeds to move towards features and benefits. We used to be an organization that was all about, you know, it's the latest, it's the greatest early adopter type mentality. And I think where we've migrated to through BT Shop and our work through smart home and some of our scenarios, like talking to customers about problems they face and technology that solves that problem. You know, I left my plug on, how do I turn it off remotely? I want to check if I get a delivery and I miss it, you know, with smart security and those types of devices. Talking to customers about problems they face and solving them with technology or services is what people care about because people always tell us it's difficult. I don't understand it. It's too complicated. It's our job to cut through that. And it's our job at the end of that to show up with the products and services that are going to make their lives easier. Mm. I think we're sick of talking about how time poor customers are. That really is the reality. So but coming back to the four pillars that you mentioned, home, work, learn and game. Gaming is one that's kind of come up a couple of times. What are your ambitions with gaming? Where do you see it kind of going? And why is it one of the main pillars? Well, for a couple of reasons. One, it's one of the biggest industries in the UK when you look at what customers spend on. And gaming does really fit across all of our kind of core pillars because people have, whether it's PC, whether it's console, whether it's been mobile, across all the gaming pillars, or even cloud gaming these days, like you can't do it without a really robust internet connection, great Wi-Fi capability. And if you're going to game on the go, you need the best mobile provider. So from an infrastructure perspective, it makes total sense. And then from our partnerships, I mean, we've got unbelievable partnerships with Microsoft, PlayStation, Nintendo. You know, when you look across the piece, Meta, you look across those brands, they are brands that are really pushing at the forefront of technology and engagement that customers have with those products is really important. I think that's an important factor in us showing up as being this brand that enables you to showcase we've got the best connectivity and we've got the best partnerships to facilitate those devices into the home. And I think that gaming just has so many just tie-ins, natural tie-ins as well within our core brand. And it's one that really beforehand we didn't play in. I think when we looked at it, we just said, why? Why as a brand have we not tried to show up in that space? And I think one centralized brand with the strength of EE, it makes total sense. Our partners get it. And obviously, you know, as we can see in our market share data, the customers get it as well. And I think that it's important to us because it's important to our customers. And I think, again, making sure that we're a trusted brand that can show up in the right places and give people confidence that we've got, you know, we've got work to do. This is constantly evolving. This is in the last really 18 months we've come to the fore on this and it's so much more coming next year. But I think that it's an important category because it matters to our customers and there's just such a breadth of people who need help, support and products on the back of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Can you talk to me a little bit more broadly about e-commerce? I'd love to get your thoughts on you. Where do you see the next couple of big developments in e-commerce coming? Where's the smart money? Where's the smart money? Yeah. I mean, I look at this in a couple of different ways, right? Because us as a brand have got some of the fundamentals to work through over the next 12 months, like still some of the fundamentals, especially to bring it all together. And I think even some of the, with the identity and having a platform where people can interact with this all in one place, simplification is a really important part of e-commerce. Like just, you said it earlier, people are time poor. So how do we make it as easy as possible? That isn't about putting shiny new bells and whistles on things and, you know, new technology and things. You know, AI for us is a massive one, if you can imagine from a personalization perspective. So there's huge amounts that are incredible base value of personalization 
automation teams are doing. We've been a lot of press about Amy, who's kind of our AI bot, who's there to kind of communicate with customers, solve problems. Obviously, that's going to evolve over time. They're really important things to simplify the journey of our existing base. And I think that's for us this year where we've got a lot of work to do but we're on a good journey for it. And I think that simplification and that creating less friction in the journey is things we're going to be able to do without necessarily the new shiny emerging technologies. That said, they're absolutely, you know, we've seen it two and a half years ago, probably across the Far East, social commerce start to boom. Last year in the States start to boom. There's no doubt that is going to play a really important factor, probably the back end of 24, definitely 2025 in terms of e-commerce, because again, how do you create, and the identity plays into this as well, in terms of being able to show up for customers in the right places and make it seamless for them. Customers are, browsing in their own ways in different devices through different platforms and if we want to show up as a product reseller or as a services reseller again it's about making sure those ads that we put out there and that engagement that we try and have with customers actually there's a really simple funnel for them to just try in terms of being open to everybody that's where the identity gives us the opportunity to do that you're browsing a social platform and you see something that you're inspired by and we're able to service it how do we get you through that funnel? how do we get you straight to that product and be able to check out that experience so i think that that is an important factor for us going into 2025 but yeah i think for me the development for all of us as as especially in the retail space is just to try and create that more unified basket experience where you can take more products and services at once and have options to add subtract move things around and have a lot more flexibility with the packages that you take i think that's a really important part for me in terms of the e-commerce strategy for the next couple of years right and bearing all of that in mind when you look at hiring for your team what kind of skills are you looking for (laughs) Honestly, people with passion. I love people who come in to the organization. We've had some phenomenal people over the last couple of years, especially in our area, who just come in and they're full of ideas, but they're able to channel them in a way that just builds excitement. I noticed that through the rebranding project that we had. Like when you've got people who understand the vision, all right, look, it's a zigzag path to get there. But you know, I look for people who have got a clear passion, not necessarily in technology, but just to come across as they've got a real passion for moving things forward. Like standing still is absolutely not an option. And look, we'll take three steps forward and sometimes five steps back. And don't let that, you know, I want people with real resilience who can take that knock and actually be ready to go again, because that is a culture that drives moving forward. That is a culture that drives success in my view. It's how we've driven success in the BT shop business before and now into EE store and obviously the future state that we're moving towards. People who have got that kind of resilience and passion are the people who can cut through the challenges that any big organization faces with that kind of positivity that just GSD, and I'll say get stuff done in this context, but you get what I mean. I think it's a really important factor and I think where it's valued and where it's seen, I think you see some of the best results. I personally, again, that's kind of the way I look to lead and it's a, it's a type of people I want to have around. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. Now I'm going to change tack slightly, Duncan. Can you tell me what's Dub CNN? Um, what is Dub CNN? So that is a a college project that kind of took over my life for quite a while. So yeah, for anyone who's listening and doesn't know what Dub CNN is. So when I was in college, I was on a computer science A level. And let's just say the course was not going to plan. (laughs) maybe the education of said program was not what I envisaged. And I just, I span up a website in an area that I've got a real hobby for, so music, and specifically in this case, hip hop music, which I had a passion for. I was part of a community online at the time in the very early 2000s, a forum, uh, you know, for for those of you who still remember what forums are, long before the days of uh, of iTunes, YouTube, and certainly any social media, a community really that were talking about a passion they had. I realized that while people were there talking about it, there wasn't really a front door unless you wanted to join the forum and talk about it with other people. There was no magazine. There was no front door. The magazines were physical. And so I sat upon 
I say I set upon the idea. It sounds really visionary, doesn't it? But at the time, there weren't a lot of them. And yeah, I just decided, well, we've got all this community. We're talking about all this stuff. We're making the news within the forum. Let's just elevate it. Let's put it on a front page over the course of 20 years, really, because it's still there now, albeit not with much time from me, because I don't have a lot with a busy job and a young family. It was a passion project that span out of a community of people. I wanted to build it into something that was more of an online magazine. And yeah, in the first five years, we became pretty significant, especially in the West Coast scene, so LA, San Francisco, promoting artists, working with labels, launching careers. I mean, you know, if I look at some of the artists we worked with in the early days, people now, so not Kendrick Lamar before anyone knew who Kendrick Lamar was, you know, it was an artist called K-Dot who we were working with, just supporting artists that didn't have a voice, supporting musicians, producers, labels that just didn't have a voice and, and giving them a voice. And yeah, so a little passion project on the back of a failing A-level, which I did eventually pass, um, became a business that I was fully committed to for a number of years and very proud of as well, something I've got a lot of passion for. Yeah, you should be. I mean, that's amazing. To do that as a teenager is phenomenal. And it sounds like there's a couple of things that you're doing there that have continued in through the, your approach, I suppose, to what you're doing here, you know, talking about opening the door and creating communities. All that is kind of echoes what you were talking about earlier today. Yeah, I'd like to think it has. It plays a part. I mean, one of the reasons I ended up in, it's obviously a very different job to what I do now, but I ended up in the BT organization through multiple transitions was I went to the company as it was at the time. And I just said, look, I've got a passion for online. I love anything that transacts digitally, you know, whether that be reading or interviews, or I loved inspiring people to come and want to look at something, engage with something. And ultimately, you know, yes, now that leads to conversions and, you know, the e-commerce funnel as it, as it would be, but fundamentally at the heart of it, yeah, it's about trying to create an experience that people can engage with and interact with and be excited by and fulfill something, a need that they've got. You know, back then it was, you know, how do I find out how the next Ice Cube album might be coming out and what music that's going to involve right the way through now, you know, how do I fix the Wi-Fi in my home? They feel very different, but actually, you're still fulfilling a customer need at the end of the day so there's absolute synergies and similarities and i hope there's a little bit of what started as a kernel of an idea there now that still exists on my career today because hopefully it showcases that it doesn't matter you know career-wise as well i don't think it matters where you start i don't think it matters what background you've got you asked me the question before about what do i look for in people passion moving things forward wanting to do the next thing wanting to evolve things however challenging that may be that's kind of how i've looked at my career and i hope that as more people come hopefully that's part of the stuff that i can embed within people but yeah there's no doubt there's always a little bit of even in my office at home where i work there's little rem of WCNN down the years, which just give me every now and again, just gives me a little boost to say, you know what, we can do that because we did that. Oh, I love it. Brilliant. Duncan, thank you so much. I've really, really enjoyed talking to you. That's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks so much. Thank you. That was Duncan Rutherford from EE. This is a More2 podcast. We help over 100 direct and consumer and retail brands just like you to harness the customer data and work smarter and more profitably. Join our teaching masterclass to see how you can bring your marketing, finance and product teams together to deliver reliable, scalable profit with confidence and without the jargon. You can learn more at more2.com or at the link in the description of this episode.